You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. God, I want to speak to you today about the power of atmosphere. The power of atmosphere. The power of atmosphere. If you have ever been to This Is Kingdom City, you would have heard me reference atmospheres because we have 10 that we talk about in our church in the context of values, etc. But you hear me reference in John chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, the story of the woman with the, f- with the fragrant oil who, who brought a worship. And I just want us to read that verse again. This is what it says. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Just get a picture of what that must feel like in this house. Put yourself in the room. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Do you realize when a God does a miracle of that magnitude in your life, your worship changes, your gratitude changes, your prayer changes, your hospitality changes, your serving changes. They're serving him. The dead guy is now alive. He's sitting at the table. And then it goes on to say this. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spike nard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled. The house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. That is the power of atmosphere because it is contagious in nature. The rest of the passage continues that Judas had a bit of an issue or an attitude and he talked about this could be used for the poor and then the Bible makes it clear that he didn't care about the poor. He only cared about the money and it goes on and there's clearly tension in the air. There's many atmospheres at play in the house but I'll tell you there's one pervading atmosphere that filled the whole house and it meant that everyone no matter who they were on the debate No matter how they felt about anything, they left smelling like Chanel 5 or whatever this costly oil smelt like. That's the power of atmosphere. It's contagious. That's why I'm so grateful for all of the people who pray because you bring the oil and we benefit from the atmosphere. That's why I'm so grateful for all the worship team because they bring the oil and we benefit from the atmosphere. That's why I'm grateful for everybody who brings faith because they bring the oil and, and we benefit from the fragrance. That's the power of atmosphere. You know, you, you understand this in the natural very easily using fragrance as an example. If you've ever been around someone who's got a strong fragrance, you can, you can smell them before you see them. You can smell them before you hear them. You can smell them before you touch them. Because fragrances go before you. If you've been in an environment where people are smoking and you come home and your spouse looks at you and says, have you picked up a foreign habit that was not really something you... And you're like, no, no, I was just in an atmosphere. And even though no cigarette touched your lips, you come home smelling like the atmosphere you've been in. Atmospheres are powerful. But it's not just smoke or cologne. You go to those friends' house that you hang out with and and they're always complaining about the church and negative and bitter. And you come back and you're like, I got to deal with your Friday morning because you spent your Thursday night hanging out with those people. Because atmospheres carry. They're contagious. I hope it's also said that 
When you go home this afternoon in Penang, Ipoh, East Malaysia, JB, anywhere, even here, and people like, you must have been at church this morning because you're unusually happy. You're unusually faith-filled. You're unusually positive. You seem to carry some faith. Why? Because that's the nature of atmospheres. Everybody say atmosphere. 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 Let's set the table this way. Atmospheres, number one, are consequential. Big word warning, consequential. It's not that big a word actually, but they're consequential. It matters. Atmospheres actually matter. Do you realize that God loves humanity? Just for the record, just these days you have to state the obvious. He loves people more, I would suggest, than trees or animals. Not that he doesn't love his own creation. But he so loves people that he spent four days cultivating an atmosphere so we could dwell, we could thrive, we could go forth and multiply, we could have dominion, we could subdue the earth. God had to create, literally, He had to divide light from darkness, water from land. He had to create the right kind of gravity, oxygen, and everything around. Because if one aspect of the atmosphere was out of kilter, we would either float, freeze, die, or fry. Yeah, that's right. So detailed was God about the atmosphere that if God needed four days to cultivate an atmosphere before we could, mul- we could dwell and multiply, shouldn't we care about the atmospheres we craft? The atmospheres we carry, because atmospheres are consequential. They matter. You know, in our church, we, we talk about 10 atmospheres. They're, they're on, the, on the screen. And, and really, this isn't a list where you go, oh, no, I, I don't think I have these. It doesn't, I'm, I don't qualify. This isn't requirements. This is, do you want to stay in a place where you come off and eventually you walk out and your children are hungry for God. They are faith-filled. You leave with prayer as a priority. It wasn't before. There's a generosity and honor and encouragement and acceptance and authenticity and relevance. All of these things are contagious in nature. They are consequential. I do want to encourage you, yes, everybody, you know, the, probably the two most fragile people in our world at the moment would be teenagers and single people. So put yourself in an atmosphere. Now, if you're a single teenager, that's normal. Just for the... Some, some people are like, you don't realize I'm the most fragile on two categories. No. You don't need extra sympathy or an altar call for that. You're meant to be single as a teenager. Just thought I'd let, throw that out there. But they are, the, they are fragile seasons. Things get shaped. Things get affected. So put yourself in an atmosphere that is consequential. Put yourself in these spaces because at the end of the day, atmospheres matter. Atmospheres matter. Look at your neighbor, the one you like better, say atmospheres matter. (laughs) Joe just looked at Jemima, not Sean. I just saw that right there. It happened. That's called payback for telling everybody that your wife did not read the Bible. And there's atmospheres brooding right at the front of the altar right there. Okay. Secondly, atmospheres are tangible. They're consequential. It means that they actually matter. It's not just some ethereal leadership concept or some feel-good factor. It actually is consequential. You could say it's life and death. Because if the atmospheres around us change, we don't live. Atmospheres are consequential, but they're tangible. And that, let let me help you understand how discerning you are even if you don't think you are. You can smell an atmosphere before you hear about it. You imagine if you walk into a room and two people, you walk into a room and a husband and wife are fighting. 
or two people have just had an argument. And the minute you walked into the room, they stopped arguing because they didn't want you to know that they were fighting. So they thought they'd done a good job covering it up, but as soon as you walk into the room, you look at them, they look at you, they look at each other, they look at you, and not a word is said. And you're like, I'll come back later. Are you a prophet? No. Atmospheres are tangible. You can feel them. You can pick it up. You can walk into a room and you're like, there's joy in this room. There's fear in this room. There's negativity in this room. There's unbelief in this room. There's faith in this room. It actually is tangible, which means it's not just consequential, it's tangible. If you ever go to a football game or something like that and you, didn't, you missed the whole match, but somebody puts you inside the dressing room. There's two dressing rooms at the end of the match. One, say one team won, one team lost. You don't have to go, you walk into the room, you know whether the team won or lost. You don't have to go, I missed the game, what's the score? What happened here? You can tell, even without knowing, because atmospheres are tangible. You know, last month, how many people came to our gathering around uh, in Asia? Yeah, it was, it was great. It was tangible. And here's how you know, it wasn't just the meetings. There were times after the meetings, people would walk in and go, whoa, what's this? That's right. it's, it's not even like we had any news up or we had anything up because atmospheres are tangible. Last week, I think it was, I went to Seoul, Korea. Wow. And I had the privilege of going to the church that Yongi Cho founded. Yodo, uh, I'm not sure what the last part is, but full, there it is, full gospel church. And you know, Yongi Cho's in heaven now, but that church has a culture of prayer that is just like nothing I've ever seen in my life. Um, there was an American preacher there and he was talking, telling us a story about how he was talking to one of the staff from Korea and saying, you know, uh, the, I pray for two hours a day. I don't know why you don't brag to the Koreans how much you pray, but he, he sort of made a point and the staff member just looked at him and said, that is not enough to even get on Yongi Cho's staff. It says, in Yongi Cho staff, you have to pray three hours a day to be allowed even to be considered for his staff. I'm like, me and Jemima combined would be part-time. <laughs> but you walked into that room and I stood in that auditorium Nobody had to tell me anything about thing. You can feel the weight and the soil of 50, 60 years of prayer. I went to a 4.30 a.m. prayer meeting that they have. They have prayer meetings at 4.30 a.m. every morning. Buses line the streets as five to 6,000 people must show up every morning and pray for an hour. And when they pray, it's like a jet engine roaring. It's like, you know, the pastor could say something, God is good, amen. Roar of faith, and it is something else. Nobody had to tell me what the atmospheres of the church. I didn't need a brochure. Yeah. Why? Atmospheres are tangible. They're consequential. They're tangible. Number three, they're personal. You carry an atmosphere. <laughs> you carry. It's not just external. It's not just corporate. It's personal. You carry an atmosphere. The Bible says we are the fragrance of Christ. What does that mean? We should carry an air. That, that doesn't mean your 
perfume or cologne. We don't market Kingdom City fragrances here. But there, there should be an, a, a grace you carry that people should be able to tell whose you are before you open your mouth. Because you're not just the mouthpiece, mouthpiece of Christ, you're the fragrance of Christ. Yes. Atmospheres matter. They're consequential, they're tangible, they're personal. And you're like, I don't believe in this atmosphere. Yeah. Well, your atmosphere may be unbelief, but everybody has an atmosphere. Everyone carries something. And if you're not sure what your atmosphere is, here's some homework. Ask three, four, or five people that are close to you, what are the atmospheres you think I carry? When I walk into a room, what do you think people pick up? That'll take a little bit of courage to do that. And it'll take a little bit of courage to write down what you think the atmospheres are. But everyone, you, you, you don't really know your own fragrance. You know, you don't know your own smell. You walk into someone's house and you're like, but they think it's normal because you don't know your own fragrance. You don't, you're not really self-conscious of your own atmosphere. So ask somebody, because I will tell you the principle, what you absorb, you emit. You stand in smoke, that is your atmosphere. You stand in cologne, that is your atmosphere. You stand in worship, that is your atmosphere. You stand in prayer, that is your atmosphere. You stand in gossip, that is your atmosphere. You stand in fear, that is your atmosphere. You stand in anything that becomes what you carry. And you might say, I wish I was the CEO of my own organization or the head of my own home. I have to handle atmospheres. I live in atmospheres that are hard, that are difficult, that are challenging. Well, the great news is you carry a personal atmosphere. That's right. so, so you can actually quarantine the space around you. Yeah. Do you realize greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? Do you realize that if God is for you, who can be against you? Which is why we are passionate about something like Greenhouse. What is Greenhouse? A cultivated atmosphere. I want to encourage people who are wondering, you saw that testimony, amazing. But in encourage you, just uh, what I, I'll tell you what I'm doing next year. I'm just doing one stream. Two's too hard, three's impossible, four, I'll I'm lying to you if I say I did it. But one stream, and you've been like, I can do one stream. Well, no, go deep in one thing, then shallow in four. Pick something and say, Father, and I want to stay in an atmosphere where my personal atmosphere can be protected. 24-7 prayer builds an atmosphere around you. When you decide that my atmosphere is personal, that means it's my responsibility, you will actually take responsibility for it. So let's join the dots of what we've just learned so far. If atmospheres are consequential, if atmospheres are tangible, and atmospheres are personal, that means I can make a difference to the atmosphere. Others will be able to feel it and it'll make a difference. Let's try that again. For those of you like maths, consequential plus tangible plus personal equals changeable. This is a game changer. You're not learning about atmosphere. You're realizing that you have the ability to change your atmosphere. This is good news because now you are not the victim of the atmospheres you're in. You are the creator of the atmospheres you're in because if it's really consequential, it's really tangible, and it's really personal, you can make a difference. Others will be able to tell and it'll matter. I like to say it this way. I can change the atmosphere it will make a difference and everyone can tell. I can change the atmosphere. It will make a difference and everyone can tell. Do you realize the power within your very being? If you learn to carry the fragrance of Christ, you can make a difference. 
It's really my last point. Atmospheres are changeable. It is changeable. But here's where I want to park. Here's where I want to show you the power of atmosphere. And this is where I want everybody to leave today with this absolute conviction that, my gosh, all things are possible. If atmospheres are changeable, it must mean that we shouldn't just be commentators of atmosphere, we should be creators of it. We need to be not thermometers, we all used to thermometers the last few years, we need to be thermostats. Do you know what the difference is? A thermostat, you can set the atmosphere. A thermometer just tells you the atmosphere. It doesn't take any faith at all to walk into a room and go, there's unbelief here. Well, did you add any faith to the room? It doesn't take any faith to commentate about the nature of the country or the nature of the, your workplace or the nature of your home or the nature of your life. It doesn't take any faith to just talk about what is good and bad. It takes faith to be a thermostat. And if atmospheres are tangible, consequential, and personal, you can change them. We don't need more thermometers in the church. The body of Christ is enough thermometers. We need thermostats. People who bring the reality of God to their world. And, and, and you know, in, in anything, think about it. Come to connect. Oh, atmosphere is bad here. We, that's a th- called a thermometer. Change the atmosphere and you connect. Don't go, oh, today worship was bad. Well, did you? Did you change anything in the atmosphere? Oh, preaching uh, today, what uh, the guy shared. Uh, we don't need commentators. We need creators. You don't need thermometers. We need thermostats. You know, every now and then things happen. I remember last week in the service I was in, which was in Canningvale in Perth, Western Australia. Um, halfway through the praise, the power cut. It just happens. And it just totally went dead. But you know, the, the, the worship team were, just kept going, like, you know, the drama just kept playing. But the people, something happened. They just looked at it and thought, wow. And they stepped up and just started praising and sing. It's like they sang louder. They, they started to just worship God and not go. There was no anti-reaction. In fact, it actually shifted the atmosphere for the better. And I remember thinking, we should cut the power more often. <laughs> because instantly, there was a group of people who realized they're not just thermometers going, oh, atmosphere's gone. Yeah. Very good. They decided to be thermostats and begin to change the atmosphere. You can do something about your atmosphere. Have the courage to be life-giving. I brought a fragrance today um, because this is probably a lot cheaper than what, the, what Mary brought in John 12. But everywhere you go, you can be the fragrance of Christ. You can release something into the air. Everyone starts gossiping and you start, you bring alignment. Everyone's cracking dirty jokes at your workplace. And you decide not to laugh and you decide to bring peace. All the relatives are fighting and arguing and the WhatsApp chat's blowing up. Should be called what's wrong chat. (laughs) And you decide to bring peace. Everyone's got an opinion, you bring silence. Silence is like a fragrance sometimes. And next thing you know, 
you realize atmospheres are changeable because you have an atmosphere. You know, the atmosphere you carry is often a byproduct of the fruits of the Spirit within you. The gifts of the Spirit determine the corporate atmosphere. The fruits of the Spirit determine the personal atmosphere. Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. If it's in here, you carry an atmosphere. Everyone wants the corporate atmosphere changed, but who would take responsibility for their personal atmosphere? You know, one of the things I'm, I'm so grateful for is Jemima's so protective over the atmosphere in our home, what the boys see, what the boys watch. They think too protective. But protective, because atmospheres are consequential. They're tangible. They make a difference. And can I tell you something? If you don't set the atmosphere, someone else will. For your life, if you don't set your atmosphere, someone else will. For your home, if you don't set the atmosphere, someone else will. If you don't set the atmosphere in this place, someone else will. There's always a battle for the atmosphere. You know, Luke 8 tells the story of Jairus. And we know the story. If you've been around church, you've read the Bible, you would have heard the story. But it's worth listening to from the perspective of the atmosphere Jairus carried and the journey and the highs and the lows of his emotion. Okay, so let's look at what happened. Jairus' story goes like this. So it was when Jesus returned, the multitudes welcomed him, but they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. Say Jairus. Jairus, you are enough. That's not the guy. And he was the ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. What do you think Jairus' atmosphere is? I'd say desperation. I'd say he's a ruler, but he's humbled himself and he's like, God, I need a miracle. And he's thrown himself at the feet of Jesus. It's one thing for a beggar to beg. It's another thing for a ruler to beg. The ruler begged. That's a sign of hunger. Often if we come into environments and there's no hunger for God, that desperation is not there. But you get the attention of heaven when there's a desperation connected to your worship, to your prayer. So then it goes on to say, the multitudes thronged him. Go back to that verse, previous verse. As he went, the multitudes thronged him. So what, what, what is that telling me? I'm so hungry for God, but then there's so many people there. Maybe his atmosphere went from carrying a focused desperation to now carrying a frustration. Oh, I came here for something, but it's not working. It's not going the way I wanted, and it's not happening the way I want. So maybe he's frustrated. Goes on. This is Jairus' day. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you and you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me for I perceived power going out from me. Jesus was so sensitized to his atmosphere that in the multitudes he could feel something shift. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, she declared, him, declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. What do you think is Jairus' atmosphere now? He's gone from frustrated because of all the drama and the delay and the multitudes. Now he's probably faith-filled. Why? Because he's just heard a woman got healed. 
if Jesus healed her by accident, what could he do if he turned up to my house? If Jesus healed her even when he didn't need to, so to speak, what could happen if I actually get Jesus into my house? So his atmosphere has gone through high, low, high, but then the next verse. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher. You know, there's always going to be people who bring you bad news, but just sift out fact from opinion. The first statement was fact, the second one was opinion. Your daughter's dead is a medical fact. Don't trouble the teacher is your opinion. What, what's Jairus' atmosphere now? Devastation. This guy has gone through a myriad of emotions on the one day. Desperation, frustration, faith-filled, now devastated. He goes on. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. Now there's a battle going on for the atmosphere around Jairus, and Jesus is bringing changeable atmospheres and he's speaking life. He's saying, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid. Maybe for someone that's a word right now, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid. Oh, that fear that's tormenting you. Don't believe. Just believe. And now Jairus' atmosphere changes again. Maybe now he's hopeful. If he, if he listens to Jesus or he listens to every other emotion, and then it goes on. When he came into the house, he, Jesus, permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, father and mother of the girl. Think about this. Jesus is so sensitized to atmosphere. First, he's speaking into Jairus' spirit. Now he's deciding who goes into the house. I only want people with faith, and I only want people with love. The father and mother loved the daughter. Peter, James, and John had faith for the miracle. Now all wept and mourned for her, which is understandable, but he said, do not weep. She is not dead but sleeping. Get your mind around this. Jesus is wrestling with the atmosphere now. He's declaring faith. He's declaring life. He's saying, Jairus, only believe. He's saying, you guys don't get into the room. You guys come in. And now he's actually declaring it. Then it goes on. says, they ridiculed him knowing that she was dead. What is going on in the atmosphere? There's ridicule. There's faith. There's misery. There's grief, there's hope, there's a few people praying, the prayer team at the back like, oh Jesus, please do something. I mean, you're here, but do something, you know. It's, 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 it's a wrestle, it's like this concoction. It's a roja atmosphere, bit of everything. And it's like, what? Because there is a battle for the atmosphere. How many of you can feel the battle for your own atmosphere? Distraction, fight, fear, negativity, issue, problem. There's a battle, there's all these things happening. And the word of the Lord literally is, oh, do not be afraid, only believe. And he's just, you know, I, I, I read the scripture and, I, and I, I, I think of it this way. I go, man, I hope I'm not that guy. That when Jesus decides to turn up to my house to raise the dead, that he, he only takes a few, but he doesn't take me. Wow. Yeah. In fact, look at the next verse. He put them all outside. He put them all outside. Imagine if Jesus had to come back to Kingdom City and go, I'm here, I'm here to do a miracle. But before I raise the dead, you, 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 leave. Wow. Wow. Come on, <laughs> He's 
God. Surely he can raise the dead in the presence of the unbelievers. Atmospheres matter. He put the, the ridiculous outside. I just don't want to be that guy that has to leave the room. He took the little girl by the hand and he said, little girl arise. Then, he, then her spirit returned. She arose immediately and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And Jairus finally has joy. His atmosphere went through the highs and lows because they are changeable. But there was a battle, there was a wrestle, there was a fight. Because ultimately atmospheres do matter. Most of you have heard the story of Andrew Brown, the testimony of our pastor in, in New Zealand, who, who you saw, if you haven't seen, if you're first time, he had an accident, was pronounced dead for 40 minutes, had, was clinically dead. And the doctors basically said there's no chance. His pulse returned as people started praying. But they thought best case he'd be brain dead because of the deprivation of oxygen to his brain for that long. And what you don't realize is people started praying. The second picture here you can see here is that's his son Sheldon who's our pastor. And he just literally had his headphones on and he had prayers. We recorded prayers and he could hear, all he could hear was, you will live and not die. You will live and not die. God is for you. In the name of Jesus, you will live and not die. And so literally, even when he was unconscious, in that picture he's conscious. All they were doing, you know what they were doing? They were protecting what was declared. Because there's a battle for the atmosphere. And if you don't set the atmosphere, somebody else will. I'll close with this story. And this, this story is crazy. And it's only fitting because I'm going to Africa tomorrow. Our pastor there, his name's Matthews. He got married about four years ago to a beautiful bride, Teho. His name is Papi Houtzenelelwe, but it's a lot easier if we call him Matthews. So many, so many of the, the team here know him because he was a part of our church here for four or five years, I think it was, at least. And, um, and he got married. Now, this is, wow, look how slim I am. As COVID has a lot to answer for. I'm distracted. All right, anyway. So, that, that you, the picture that is of real interest to me is that top left one because Matthews and Seho were sitting down on their chairs and their backs were to the audience. So I could see everything that was going on, but they couldn't. Now the backdrop to the story is, is really critical. Here's what happened. I met them the day before their marriage. I, I knew Matthews obviously, but I'd never met his wife, his fiance. And she's a lovely person, but she's got a really full on story. Both her parents died when she was young. But, and I have great respect for community and culture and every culture is different, every family is different. I, I've got great respect for that. We, we shouldn't impose our culture on someone else's. But nonetheless, as she began to tell me her story, it was shocking to a point that I've not really heard before and I'm fairly exposed to a decent myriad of cultures. This tribal community that were trying to stop her from marrying a pastor had gone to every length possible to sabotage the wedding. I mean, to points where I don't have time to go into detail, but it was bad. And not only was it bad, they said, Pastor, you, you don't realize they will not stop. Even till today, the family gatherings before the wedding, it's, it's, it's dramatic, it's a problem. So I said, okay, just 
from what I could tell, are you doing anything unscriptural, unbiblical? You're an adult. You want to get married? Okay, you want to do the wedding? I'm, I'm not worried. I'll, I'll do the wedding if you want to get married. Yes, we do, we do, we do. And they prayed and they'd made so many efforts to reach out, but sometimes life is what it is. Anyway, the next morning of the day of the wedding, I get a text. They stole this group of people, stole her wedding dress. So she has no wedding dress. Now put yourself, all you brides who've been, if you're single, get to the singles getaway, and you'll get a chance to have this story one day. Uh, you, you imagine how your emotions and your atmosphere is if the morning of your wed one day, your wedding, your dress is stolen. What would have happened, hon? She says with a smile, buy a new one. I don't think so. And, and, and you know, the, the tension is palpable. But she borrows her bridesmaid's wedding dress who was married. And it happened to fit perfectly. That's what she wore on the wedding day. That's her bridesmaid's wedding dress. But she is now fearful. She goes, I said, are these crazy people going to come to the wedding? They said, I don't know. But they said they're going to make an entrance. They're going to make a scene. I'm like, the showdown is happening. Wow. They don't teach you this in Bible school. So I go, all right. Let's see what happens. So we turn up for the wedding. And it's going good. Praise and worship's good. And our church in Botswana, you got to just know, they're wild. They are atmosphere creators. They bring an atmosphere if there's no atmosphere. They will throw a party when there's nothing to celebrate. They, just are, they are just on fire people. So they are ready. They are in the back cheering, but there's a segment behind where they're sitting where her family's supposed to be, but it's all empty seats. And she's okay. And then halfway through the ceremony, just before the vows, I'm finishing my message, and you can feel the atmosphere shift. They make an entrance. This group of about 15 to 20, dressed to the nines, come in with their things like this and they walk down the aisle. I can see everything that's going on. As they walk in, before they walk in, Seho, the bride, can't see a thing. She starts to shake. And she starts to, it's, it's like if she was on the floor, it would be what you call a fetal position. And she's now, I can see intimidation all over her and she is complete, and she has not turned around. She has not seen anyone. She doesn't even know. They didn't even make a sound while they were outside and I'm going, why is she like this? And you can feel the atmosphere and then I realize they've walked in. They bring an atmosphere with them. Fear, intimidation, anger, confrontation. And they walk in and they just stand there behind. You can't see that in the shot. And this poor girl on her wedding day in a borrowed dress is shivering under fear. I have many dysfunctions. One of them is I don't like bullies. It's a weakness I'm working on. And when I saw this girl in such torment, I got angry. And I don't think it was me. I think it was the Spirit of God. And I have respect for cultures. I have respect for all families. To me, I don't get involved in the family stuff. That's your journey. But this was spiritual intimidation at its worst. And as she walked in, this group walked in, Something came upon me and I started saying, and I could see her and I started looking at her. I said, Seho, be strong. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You will say of the Lord, 
He is your refuge and your God, your fortress. In Him you will trust. Surely He shall protect you from the snare of the fowler and the perilous pestilence. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the arrows that fly by night, nor the darkness that walks in the noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. It will not come near you. Only with your eyes will you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because the Lord is for you. Because God is with you. And I begin to declare, you will step upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample them underfoot. You shall be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. No weapon formed against you, say And I did not address them. I just spoke life into her. And the atmosphere changed. And our whole Botswana church is like the front row. They all started to go, come on now. Yeah, amen, amen. And you can see there was a showdown because the matriarch or the patriarch or the pain in the ark or whatever she was glaring at me. And I go, come on, come on. You want to fight? You pick the wrong day. Not today, devil. And you can see Seho's countenance began to change. She began to lift her hands. She began to worship God. And she began to praise and worship. The atmosphere changed because you can make a difference. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. Today might be the day you say, not today, devil. You picked the wrong day to pick with the wrong person. And I can make a difference because I have praise before me. I have worship inside of me. I have an intercession that surrounds me. And today God wants to set people. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.